In this edition of Emergence, we'll be talking to Mr. Benson Amida, President of the Africa Veterinary Technicians Association. Welcome to Emergence, brought to you by MSD Animal Health and hosted by me, Alistair King. All thoughts and opinions in this podcast are those of myself and my guests. I'm very pleased to be able to bring you an interview with Mr. Benson Amida, President of the Africa Veterinary Technicians Association. This has actually taken a bit longer to get together than I was really hoping. That's more down to technical problems on my end than on his end. This is actually four different calls. It was a fascinating discussion because Benson is talking about what's happening in Africa and how trust in communities is really key for us to be able to deliver on the animal and human health that we're aiming for and how veterinary technicians play a role in that trust. They are the people that the community can talk to for advice. So they need to be part of the conversation, and we need to make sure that they are properly engaged. I'll pass over now to the conversation, and you'll hear it much better from him. I'm really pleased to be joined by Mr. Benson Amida, who is the president of the African Veterinary Technicians Association. It's fantastic to have an opportunity to talk to someone who is in the field, seeing what's happening in Africa and understanding the pressures and challenges that you get there. Can you just start by explaining what your role as the president of the African Veterinary Technicians Association is? What do you do? Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. First, uh, as you have said, I'm the president of Africa Veterinary Technicians Association. And uh, besides that, I also work with the Department of Veterinary Services, where I joined some 30 years ago. Initially, my work in the field included extension services, educating farmers, disease control activities, including vaccinations. And later, I moved to veterinary public health, of course, after some training. And therefore, I became a meat inspector. And after the meat inspection, I now have activities that include enforcing meat control regulations in Kenya. And that means ensuring that meat is slaughtered well, it is transported well, the sale is fine. And the movement documents, including permits, are actually in order. I've also been lucky to be a member of Kenya Veterinary Board, that is, uh, as a regulator of the profession in Kenya. And as you have rightly said, currently President of Veterinary Technicians in Africa, that is uh, an elective position where what we do as an association is to bring all associations in Africa those associations which are which have the interest of veterinary paraprofessionals together so that we can have an umbrella body, an umbrella voice that can move our interests beyond our countries. As you know that uh, veterinary standards start from OIE and then from OIE then it comes down to the national governments. So we thought that instead of dealing our, with our countries, we can have a system that we can reach international standards and probably influence those standards in the interest of veterinary paraprofessionals and also general animal health service delivery in Africa. 
Thank you. We started talking after the Brooks Conference on Sustainable Development Goals, which was a couple of months ago now. Yes. What did you take from that conference? What What were the important messages for you? Yeah, thank you again. That's a very good question. The The conference that was organized by Brook, that is Strengthening Animal Health Systems to Accelerate the Progress Towards the SDG. I think, I think it is one of the conferences that I really enjoyed because, one, it strengthened on the importance of One Health. You know, we talk about One Health, but if you go to specific countries, you may find that the One Health approach is lacking. And that has affected diseases like uh, rabies. You are aware that rabies is, uh, affects man and animals. And therefore, the collaboration and partnership between the animal health personnel and the human health personnel is very, very critical. And, and I think that's a message that came out very clearly from the conference. Secondly, I also learned that uh, collaborations and partnerships are important in disease control that no single institution or individual can claim to have all, all what it takes to control a disease in a country. I noted that Brook has partnered with different other organizations like CIDAI. There are collaborations between other international organizations with uh, GovMed. And, and that's important because every country even the veterinary authorities must find it important that they cannot do it alone. They need to collaborate because most of these diseases are transboundary. They are not restricted to a, to a specific place. So I think that element of collaboration is quite important and partnerships. Our focus is that maybe there will be need for some of these organizations to partner with international associations like ours, because as you remember very well, the, the, when there were structural adjustments in Africa, most of the countries actually privatized clinical services, artificial inseminations were privatized, there were challenges in disease control, most countries in Africa stopped employing uh, veterinary staff, that brought the need to collaborate with the private sector. And the only way that the private sector can be brought on board is through professional associations, because some do not find it comfortable to be directed by public service. But if it is done in collaboration with professional associations, that includes both public and private, then, then things work very well. So I think I learned that from that conference. And finally, it came out that over 400 million of the world's poorest actually depend on livestock. And that was amazing because if you look at 400 million people depending on livestock, and they are the poorest, and we are talking about developments in Africa or developments globally, then this should be the focus. The 400 million should be the focus. And if you focus on them, then you will be focusing on livestock. I think that was quite also important for us because that's where we are. I think some of what they were talking about there was needing, and WHO have said about needing an increased focus on women and on smallholders because those are the ones having that impact on the poorest, as you say. How does that fit with what you see on the ground? 
Yes, yes. I think I think that's very important. On the ground, um, I think we need to we need to collaborate and focus on women and children. We are talking about communities at that level. What happens in Africa mostly? There is uh, the focus is not at the ground level because if you look at Africa, every country has got tens of different tribes, hundreds of different communities in one country. And if you look at what happens even after elections, normally there are conflicts caused by disagreements between these communities. And therefore, for us to effectively focus on these communities, we need to ensure that veterinary paraprofessionals who are at the community level are brought on board. Because these are the people who live in the community and they understand the, the challenges of the community and the community also relate with them. Sometimes we have persons who have gone to communities to pass over very, very important information, but you find that the community are reluctant to take it up because the veterinary paraprofessionals were not involved. And these are the people they meet every day when they are going to church. When they are going to the market, these are the people they see. So, so it is very important that for us to focus on women and children, this is a critical area. I've also noted that, especially in rabies, when we are talking about educating women and children, these are school-going children, and we are trying to tell them to love animals, not to be chasing dogs, hitting them with stones. So when you travel from a capital city, you go to a village and tell the children not to kick dogs. The following day, you are back to the city, the children will, will not see somebody to be following up on them. So the following day, but if it is a person who lives in the community, when you tell them that, when you are walking to the market, you meet them and you tell them, yes, what did I tell you? What did we agree? So, so I think it is important when it comes to children. When we think about what you're doing in Africa and the paraprofessional organization, one of the things we recognize with Africa is this limit of access to vets. What kind of role do the veterinary technicians and paraprofessionals play? How important is that? Thank you very much. I think you have said it correctly. The, there's a very big challenge of access to veterinary doctors or veterinary surgeons in Africa. And therefore, the persons who are left now to provide such services are actually veterinary technicians and veterinary paraprofessionals, let me say so. So one of the roles that we play is to enhance disease surveillance because when it comes to disease detection and reporting is quite critical. And, and veterinary paraprofessionals, because they are located in the villages all over the countries and in different countries, they are the persons who will receive information from the farmers or they are the persons who will detect diseases and report. So I think one of the important role we are playing is in the detection of diseases and reporting the same diseases either to the veterinary surgeons or to veterinary authorities. Uh, secondly, the role we are playing is uh, because of educating farmers and we are available, we are playing a role in reducing the risk of antimicrobial resistance. 
it is true that uh, veterinary doctors are the ones to to use part one poisons, but I think in Africa, because of inavailability of veterinary doctors, veterinary paraprofessionals and technicians are playing the role to assist farmers, educate them on withdrawal periods of medicines whenever medicines are used. And you also realize that in Africa, farmers access veterinary shops, drug shops, and they buy medicine sometimes on their own. They use the available veterinary technicians to assist them in with advice and, and also telling them that if you use this drug, then ensure that you will not use the milk or the meat from that animal will not be used for a given period. So I think I think that is one of the roles we are playing. And also I must mention that working with the communities and engaging the communities on disease occurrence, because you can you cannot succeed in eradicating a disease or reducing disease occurrence unless you work with the communities. Given the fact that we do not have enough veterinary doctors, the veterinary paraprofessionals who are available in the village are actually working with the communities to advise and to ensure that we are able to eliminate some of the some of the serious diseases. I was telling you last time the element of rabies. You see, rabies you can't just appear in a village and and uh, and reduce the occurrence. So it is the community must be part of it, and the community will only be part of it if a person they know is also within, so that they can consult. Continuous consultation is very important for communities. So veterinary paraprofessionals are providing that link. And also, as you know, and I was saying about the children's involvement in in rabies control is quite critical. And when the veterinary paraprofessionals are available, then they assist in that education, educating the adults and also educating the parents. Benson, you mentioned two things that I think are really important there. You talked about surveillance and you talked about community. The surveillance you've made me think because we've been looking at surveillance in Africa and I repeatedly talk about the problem with cold spots, not knowing where disease is. And we've been looking at how we target things. Hands up, have to admit, I did not think about using or targeting paraprofessionals to improve surveillance. So that's been really interesting just hearing that. And I can go back with a couple of ideas and that, that's going to help us with that side. So thank you. But the community engagement, I, I always think community is really important. Where programs, where national programs fall down is when we don't engage the community. You see paraprofessionals is very important for that. How do you think we can improve on that? One way to improve on um, the role of veterinary paraprofessionals so that the services can be, can bear fruits is one is recognition of veterinary paraprofessionals. Because sometimes you find there are conflicts within a country simply because the regulations and the policies are not clear enough to provide for the work or for the services of veterinary paraprofessionals. And sometimes it becomes very difficult because when some communities learn that they are dealing with a person who, though well-trained, uh, well-articulated, but the policies and the regulations in a country do not recognize that, then it becomes 
a bit challenging. So I think one of the areas that we need to focus on is the recognition of veterinary paraprofessionals at whatever level so that uh, they can offer those services. Again, you find that uh, when you have occurrence of diseases, sometimes we have got communities where they have got insurance facilities. The animals have been insured. And therefore, whatever decision or action a farmer takes will, will impact on the insurance, whether he or she will be paid or not. So, so this is one area where farmers are also finding it so difficult. While they want to get these services from the veterinary paraprofessionals, they are getting services and they are working so well. Disease reporting is, is taking place. But when it comes to an occurrence where, unfortunately, the animal passes or dies, then uh, the insurance company will not compensate the farmer. So, so I think these are areas where we need to correct so that these services are uh, offered by persons who are recognized not only in policy, but also in the regulations of a country. So you're looking at how do we bring the paraprofessionals more into this whole animal health infrastructure and get recognition in that? Definitely, definitely. That's the way to go. Because... We cannot pretend, and this one I say so confidently, we cannot pretend that animal health service delivery can be efficient in Africa without veterinary paraprofessionals. That one cannot happen. So the best thing we can do is to bring them on board. I also know that we have cases where they are used by a country uh, silently without a country not wanting to come out and say we are using veterinary paraprofessionals. In fact, most veterinary authorities in Africa receive, or let me say that they rely on reports from veterinary paraprofessionals. The best is just to bring them on board so that they are part of the system, they are regulated, in that they will do it better than when they are not being when they are being used without recognition. That's very important. Healthy animals we talk about one health and one welfare. Healthy animals are critical for human health. What, what you see on the ground, how do you see animal health impacting on human health? I think, I think one health is important. And I think that's also one of the messages that came out during the last conference that was hosted by the Brook. One health is critical because most of the diseases that impact on either trade, they also affect human health. And therefore, we cannot also say that you can work without animal health. Bringing the medical, the human health personnel on board, the animal health, and also the environment together. Because they all these contribute to either diseases or, or in the control of animal diseases. So one health is important. What happens in most of the African countries is that the animal health side are not working together with the human health side, particularly at the village level. When you hear of a country talking of one health concept, it is, it is, it is at the headquarters. There is where they have a few activities. But at the village level or district level, one health concept is not being used. And I think this is one area where we are not doing very well as Africa. And I'll tell you that, for example, we have cases of, for example, brucellosis. 
is a disease which can be detected very easily from the hospitals. Even when humans go for checkups, they go for treatment, you find some hospitals treating it as malaria. Yet it is not malaria. Yet, if there is collaboration between the human health and the animal health, they will share that information and data. And they will be saying that for us, in this area, we have got very, very high cases of brucellosis, for example. So even in the hospitals, they'll be able now not to focus on malaria or, or the traditional diseases in that area. They'll be able to think wider out and think of other diseases which are found in animals. So I think that working together is lacking. And one area is probably in funding also, because if you look at medical health, a country will ask them the number of personnel that they have. The officer in charge of medical health will carry all his staff and personnel. He will talk of the laboratory technicians. He will talk of the nurses. He will talk of the clinicians. He will talk of the medical doctors. And he will talk of all those personnel who are involved. When you come to animal health side, the veterinary authority will talk of a very lean personnel they only consider veterinary surgeons to be the personnel. Yet in a country, for example, Kenya, you have more than 10,000 veterinary paraprofessionals and you may be having less than 1,000 veterinary doctors. So if you go to a government and say that this is your, this is your human resource, is at 1,000 because you are looking at veterinary surgeons. Then, then the government also will not take you seriously. And that's why the animal health side has been losing financial resources, financial support, because they don't go with the whole human resource that they have. So you find most of the resources are now going to the human side. So I think these are areas that we need to, uh, can be corrected, and uh, that collaboration should be at the ground. Currently, we don't have good collaboration between animal and human health at the ground. It's quite quite eye-opening numbers there of what resources actually people resources actually we do have to call on if we if we wanted to and if we got a better system in place to to use paraprofessionals. The WHO has said we need an increased focus on women and on smallholders in Africa. How does that fit with what you see on the ground? I think that fits. I think we also try to implement that. What happens, for example, when you are working with communities in Africa and um, you want to advise or to give any, any information to the farmer, then it is the, the male who will come because it is the husband who owns the home. So he's the one who will receive visitors, who will listen to visitors, and who will take information from, from the veterinarians. But when it comes to taking care of animals, it is the woman. So you are giving a wrong person the right information. So even if you call a, a meeting, a, a training session, or education, or you want to pass some information, the men will come. Women will not be uh, will not be available because they are in the field. But these men will not go and meet the women and transfer that information again to them. So I think in Africa we are giving information to the wrong people, and uh, because it is not the men taking care of animals, they are the one who own them, 
but the people who are actually feeding the animals, milking the animals, ensuring that the animals are healthy are the women. So it is not quite quite fine when it comes to Africa. Maybe we need to do something. So we need a different strategy. When we are talking of meeting farmers, it, it should not be the owner of the animal. It should be the person taking care of the animal. The owners of animals are never there with the animals. Then what they wait for is to, when an animal is slaughtered, they wait for the money, they take the money and budget for it. The milk is sold, they wait for that. So, But they are not the ones who are taking care of animals. So I think in Africa, we need to find a different strategy. And, 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 and we talk of something more like uh, the persons who care for the animals, not the persons who own the animals. So when you want to have a meeting or pass information, then we need to put these people in the chain of, of, of the persons who will, be, uh, who will be receiving the information. I know some of the work that we've done in Tanzania, well, I say we, we've, yeah. we're helping, helping fund some of it, but I'm not out there mm. doing it. It's being done by Tiziana Lembo yeah. out in Tanzania. And that has looked very much at that whole community and how you bring everyone together from the veterinary officials, the government officials, all the way down to the people looking after the, after the animals and getting all of them around the table together to talk about what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. That sounds like the kind of thing you're talking about. Yes, I think, I think, I think that is what we need also to take note of. And, and that's the way we need to, to educate, to bring all of them uh, uh, on their round table and everybody will share information. The challenge with that is that we have different customs in different communities. Hmm. And these customs sometimes conflict. Like uh, we have cases where customs may not be happy or may not accept that the head of the household is sitting with the women and probably children or the young people being told the same thing at the same time. So that there also there's a bit of conflict. But I think it is something that uh, we can easily work on, uh, bring everybody on the table. It can be explained. I remember in Kenya, the hardest thing that we did was to educate the farmers to accept that animals will not be taken away for grazing. You will bring the food to the animals and do a zero grazing. That was the hardest change which happened. But if it happened, especially in the, in the high rainfall areas, now the farmers are taking the, the, the napier grass, the water, and then they feed animals and then they milk them. If that happened, I believe... With, with the proper strategy, anything is possible. Anything is possible. That kind of brings us full circle to what you were saying, because when we're dealing with local customs and things, it seems, listening to you, the people who are best going to know that are going to be the paraprofessionals, the ones who are already engaged in the community. In fact, and that's why I've always said, you see, if you look at Af Africa, a single country may be having different, more than 100 communities it is a national community, but in terms of uh, tribes, there are more than 100. Some countries even have 200. So all those tribes, a time comes when they want to believe in one of their own. And it is very easy to, 
to have veterinary paraprofessionals who come from all the 200 tribes. It's very easy. But it will be very difficult to train, in terms of cost also, to train veterinary surgeons from all communities. That is, it will be very difficult. You will find that there is one community with a, a very high number of veterinary doctors and another community has two veterinary doctors and then they are engaged in other fields. So if we use veterinary paraprofessionals who understand the communities, in fact, even in mobilizing the community members, I think, I think we will make better steps than when veterinary paraprofessionals are not involved. So I think you've already answered this probably, but how do we build that trust with the smallholders and make the community the focus? I think one way is to involve the communities in all the programs. And when you are involving the communities, you must involve the veterinary paraprofessionals because the communities believe in the veterinary paraprofessional who they see on daily basis, who they can even call at night. So that is the person who needs to mobilize them. And that's the person who needs to be part of, of, uh, of that process. But it is very, very important that the community needs to be involved. We have had cases where very good information, uh, very good extension services and research findings are brought from the research stations by researchers. And whenever they talk to the communities without the veterinary paraprofessionals, normally the communities go back to the veterinary paraprofessional in the village and ask him whether what the visitor said is right. So if the veterinary paraprofessional was not involved, he will definitely say, okay, fine, I don't know, or it is not right. So, so I think we need to involve the communities and the veterinary paraprofessionals. Thank you, Benson. That's really given me an awful lot, of, lot to think about exactly how we bring what we're doing. And I hope mm-hmm. that other people listening to this will also take those same messages because we, we are looking at how do we improve animal health in Africa as, as a global community. We need to do that and we need to work on it and see the right ways to go. I think what you've been telling us here about the role of paraprofessionals is really key to making that difference. So thank you very much for that insight. And I think maybe I say the, uh, my final message to those listening to this, recognition of veterinary professionals is critical if we want to reduce any disease occurrence in Africa. That is very critical. And that is the basics. The assumption that if you recognize veterinary paraprofessionals, then they will be veterinary doctors. I think that is unfounded. You can recognize any person at any level to offer any services. And I think that one is, that one is what we need. And it will make Africa go a long way. And, and also, just lightly, we also need to be taking note of other policies, which may not be veterinary policies or animal health policies. They may be unrelated, but they affect or they have an impact on animal policies. Otherwise, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And we'll continue working together. Definitely. I hope that we're able to do some further work with Benson because I think the veterinary technicians 
are really important for disease surveillance. When we're trying to find out where things are happening, they can have a key role for us and we need to engage them. I wanted to draw your attention to a new paper that's just been published by Polly Comston. It fits really well with that discussion with Benson. You may have heard Polly on one of the podcasts last year talking about what she was seeing in Kenya. This paper follows on from that. It's entitled Understanding What Shapes Disease Control, an Historic Analysis of Foot and Mouth Disease in Kenya. And it's looking at the politics, the demographics, the epidemiology of the disease, how that all intertwines to lead to the situation. She goes back to 1915 and really follows through what has been happening in that country. And I think it's very important for us when we look at how we're going to move for the future. I'll put a link to the paper in the in the program notes, because I think it's really worthwhile reading and understanding everything that she's covered there. She especially looks at the drivers that influence the control programs and talks about that veterinary service structure. And I think that fits very much with what I've talked about with needing a working animal health structure as the first step to having success when we try and have mass vaccination campaigns. She looks at how different stakeholders are involved and what their roles are. So I certainly urge you to have a read of that. And maybe if I'm lucky, we'll be able to get Polly back on another time and talk about it even further. Before we finish, I wanted to just tell you about the updates we've made to the Emergence website. If you go there, you'll see it's got a new look to it. We've added a few things. I'm particularly pleased with the translate button, so you can have it in whatever language you want. But we've also added a community response section. We've been talking about this for a little while. It stems off the Rabies Hero Awards that we've been doing and the Challenge 360 that we did last year. We've been thinking about how much is being done by people around the world. And some of those are global organizations, NGOs that are doing things, volunteers of many sorts. But often they are small organizations, hardly known. And yet they are doing so much to try and battle some of these diseases. And they have a real desire to to help with animal and human health. So we've added this community response section where we'll talk about some of those people, we'll talk about some of the things that are going on, and also sometimes show you ways that you can get involved as well. I think it's a really big, I think it's a really big step in the community approach that we want to take. So I'd love for you to take a look at it and certainly tell us what you think. Thank you all for listening. That's it for now. Stay safe and I'll speak to you again soon.